This week on Bench Warming Podcast, I'm talking about the playoffs again. Yeah, you heard me right. It's the playoffs. Only this time, it's not the college football playoffs. We're looking at the professionals and how they do it. That's right, the NFL playoffs are coming up starting this weekend, wildcard weekend, so stay tuned to get your NFL playoff preview. Now sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and somebody roll the intro music. Welcome back to Benchwarm Podcast, everybody. It's Joe coming at you with, yes, another playoff podcast. We're not talking NCAA football this time. We're talking NFL playoffs. And boy, is it going to be a doozy this year. We have some solid seating from one to six in both conferences. I can't wait to see how this goes. But before we go any further, I have a little message for you guys. So let's roll this ad. I really do hope you guys consider that option. I love Anchor. I love putting out my podcast. But enough of that. Let's go ahead and get into some playoff football, baby. Woo! We got the AFC coming in at the Chiefs at the one seed. Pats are two. Texans three. Ravens are four. Those are your division winners. And your two wild card spots went to the Chargers and the Colts. And then at the NFC side, we've got the Saints, Rams, Bears, and Cowboys are one through four, each winning their division. And then our wild card spots over there went to the Seahawks and Eagles. So that kind of leaves us like this coming into Wild Card Weekend. We see the Colts versus the Texans and the Ravens versus the Chargers. Those are our AFC games. And then we see the Cowboys and the Seahawks and the Bears versus the Eagles for the NFC Wild Card spots. I didn't really pick any specific order to start getting into these. I just kind of started writing by what showed up first in front of me. And in this case, it was the Chargers versus the Ravens. We did get to see this matchup once before. It was really interesting. It was a good game for the most part. It kind of turned into, I don't want to say a blowout, but it was 22-10, to 10, I believe, was the final score for that game. It was in L.A. The Chargers lost, and that was in Week 16. But now we see it in the first week of the playoffs two weeks later. L.A. has to go to Baltimore because Baltimore is the four seed. They won their division and it's going to be interesting. We see how good Baltimore plays there. If you watched the game against the Browns, it was a good game from that team and easily could have been a bigger blowout than what it was. It wasn't even a blowout, but it could have been a blowout, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because you had Lamar Jackson who had two touched, two could have been touchdowns. One was called a touchdown. He just didn't quite extend the ball. And they called it a touchdown, and they ruled it dead at that spot, so I'm not really sure how they came to the conclusion that the Browns got the ball, even though he fumbled it. I thought that once they ruled it a touchdown, they stopped the play, but that was the decision they made. And then we saw him have, we saw Lamar Jackson have another chance to get a touchdown called back by an offensive holding. That was just an amazing play on his feet. So we see how good Baltimore plays there, and I'm starting to get a little worried about the Chargers and how they've played over the past couple games because they've not looked the best. They've won two of their last three. Yes, they beat the Chiefs and then they beat the Broncos who were kind of crawling to the finish there. But I mean, let's be honest, Phillip Rivers did not look very good over the last three games. He had 12 interceptions on the season. Six of them came in the last three games. He threw two interceptions in each of the last three games and going up against a strong defense like Baltimore has. You can't be making those mistakes. You know, you saw how that turned against them in that Week 16 matchup against Baltimore. 
And I think it's going to be similar this week going into Baltimore. And if he turns the ball over, you're not going to be able to win in that case. And that's the case of most games. It's just even harder to do when you're playing a team with such a strong defense like Baltimore. Like I said, the Chargers as a whole have not looked very good recently. And we kind of looked to the health of some players. You know, you had Keenan Allen who got hurt against the Chiefs and really didn't play a whole lot in that game. I believe he was out by the end of the first quarter maybe I think they had to play three full quarters without him and then you had uh, Melvin Gordon who hurt his knee and really I don't think he's been back to full health he's played the past two weeks but just because he's played doesn't mean he's been at full health and you know Rivers isn't hurt but he's not playing well so you kind of have to clump all of that stuff together and look at it seriously as a worry coming into this game. I mean, they're 12 and four, yes, and they beat the Chiefs once, who is you know the top seed in the AFC and potentially the top team in the NFL. But when you're not playing well and you have to go onto the road and play a team that's playing as well as the Ravens have been playing recently, it's a tall task. I'm thinking that it's going to be tough for Rivers to turn it around. I think he can do it if you really stops making stupid mistakes. I feel like a lot of his interceptions recently have just been throws that he's kind of closed his eyes and chucked it up and just hoped someone was down there to catch it, and that doesn't end well most of the time. That's kind of the worry on the offense, but the real question is, can this Chargers defense stop Lamar Jackson? I didn't really watch a whole lot of this kid when he first started. I watched him when he was at Louisville because, I mean, they were hyping him up. He won the Heisman and everything, and he was athletic. And so you saw a lot of clips of him. So I knew what he could do in college, but we always see this jump from college to the NFL for quarterbacks like this is really tough to do. Very rarely do you see someone come in and actually do it successfully consistently. And it might be a small sample size, but he's been able to do it consistently in the NFL so far. And I think the big question coming into this game outside of kind of the turnovers for Rivers and that big offensive struggle that we've seen from the Chargers, if they pull that together, the big question is, can their defense stop Lamar Jackson's feet and his arm? They can only hope to win this if they're able to stop or at least limit both. If he goes out and has a big game on the ground and can also throw the ball, that's really hurting you because not only do you have to worry, okay, he's dropping back, is he going to pass or is he going to run? You also have to look out for the RPO. You have to look out for play action, all this stuff. And it's so tough when you have a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. And this is what I hate to see for Cam Newton in uh, Carolina is that Lamar Jackson actually has players around him to make plays that aren't just his running back. Like Lamar Jackson can throw the ball. He's got three solid but underrated receivers in Crabtree, John Brown, and Willie Sneed. You know, they aren't the best by any means. They're not Michael Thomas, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Julio, but they do what they need to do. They catch the ball most of the time when it's thrown their way, which is a lot to ask of people like that who have always kind of been second fiddle on the teams that they've played on. And then you've also got a good running back in Gus Edwards who came out of nowhere and has just taken this running game by storm, a running game that until recently really just couldn't get anything going. So you add in all of that for this offense, and it really puts a big task on the Chargers' defense to be able to stop Lamar Jackson as a player both on the ground and through the air. Because if you can stop him on the ground and through the air and you limit it to just 
Gus Edwards on the ground or just Lamar Jackson passing, and you don't rely, you don't let Jackson run the ball as much as he passes it like we've seen him do and have success, then I think it's a different story for the Chargers because that makes this game favor them on the offensive side. And, I mean, it, it would be tough to get them to have this game favor them on the defensive side just because of how good Baltimore is. But I think that if you can limit, if you limit Lamar Jackson's feet and his passing, then it's obviously it's the Chargers game because they're doing everything they can and they're shutting that offense down. But if you can limit one of those two things for Jackson, it makes it such a more interesting game because now all of a sudden it becomes, can Lamar Jackson become a pocket passer when he needs to be? You know, is he going to be able to turn into this standstill and pass guy? Obviously, he's going to have to roll out. There'll be times where he's chased out of the pocket. But the big question is going to be, I feel like, can we keep Lamar Jackson from running the ball for over 100 yards? You know, they had... 200 yards I think on the ground almost 300 yards on the ground against the Browns last week and you know that's that will be the calling card of this game it doesn't matter what Rivers or this Chargers offense does unless they just go out and have an unreal game and they just put up 45 points on this strong defense I think that the I think that the real question of this game comes down to will the Chargers stop Lamar Jackson you know, if Rivers goes out and throws three picks, that's going to really hurt you. But like I said, if you can go out and you can get Melvin Gordon going and you can get some of these healthy guys back in, Hunter Henry, who we've not seen all year, has a chance to come back and play. His status is still up in the air at this point, so we don't really know if we're going to see him or not. But that offense needs to get it together. I think they will. I don't think that's the question coming into this game. Like I said, the question is going to be, do they stop Lamar Jackson or will they let him beat him? And will the 22-year-old take the league by storm in this playoffs and, you know, keep his team alive with the potential to play the Pats? That would be really interesting to see. Next game that I chose to look at was also the other AFC wildcard game. It was the Colts-Texans. They split the season matchups. Uh, it easily could have been... 1-0-1 for the Colts. The first matchup, they went into overtime, and it was tied most of the overtime. They got to underneath two minutes to play in the overtime, and Frank Reich decided to go for it on a fourth down really close to midfield. Didn't get it. Texans obviously got the ball back, and that set up the Texans game winner. I love Frank Reich. I love the idea to go out and be aggressive. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. We can go back and we can say, oh, we should have punted it on fourth down. You know, just went for the tie. But at that time, no one saw the Texans going on a nine-game win streak, eight-game win streak, however many it ended up being that they won and getting this far. Because at that time, no one saw anything like this happening in the AFC South with the Colts kind of not looking super well. The Jaguars, no one expected them to be as bad as they were. So, you know, early in the season, go for it. You never know what happens. In the end, it ended up being a bad decision, and we can sit back and we can go look at that and say, oh, how could he have done that? How could he have been that stupid? But I applaud the man for taking the chances, especially being a young coach. you got to do something. Coming into this matchup, I liked what I heard on NBC last week after the Colts won the game, is that the real battle that we're going to see in this game is going to be the Colts' offensive line against that Texans' front. You know, they're really good. Obviously, we have... Jadavion Clowney and J.J. Watt on that defensive line that caused havoc. 
J.J. Watt, something to keep in mind, did hurt his arm at some point last week in the win against the Jaguars. He was kind of almost like he was playing the game with an arm and a half. He wasn't really extending his arm when he could, trying to use it and everything, and very well could have been that he just was trying to take it slower. They were up. They weren't really worried about losing that game at that point in time, so he may have been thinking to the future, you know, I don't want to get hurt again as frequently as he's been hurt. So he was just kind of trying to take it easy, or maybe it's actually hurt. We don't know. So I feel like that's going to be a big thing is how is that Colts offensive line going to stand its ground against that Texans front? They've done a pretty good job previous times when they faced each other. You know, Ryan Kelly coming back will hopefully be a huge help if he's able to get back. All signs are kind of pointing upwards like he might be able to come back for that game. And like I said, I really hope so because I would love to see the full strength offensive line for the Colts. I would love to see Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, you know, these three young guys that are really building this offensive line bigger than what anyone thought it would be at this point in time. The Colts went from letting Andrew Luck get sacked all these times in his first few years to only allowing, I believe it was 18 sacks on the air. It was the fewest allowed by an offensive line, which is outstanding. I can't believe that that happened for this Colts team. So, yeah, that'll be a big matchup. But I also think that the key to this game for the Colts is the defense. Obviously, Luck and that offense need to go out and play well because this offense with Deshaun Watson for the Texans is no joke. But the Colts' D is a huge key. They haven't allowed a single 100-yard rusher in all 16 games. They may have allowed over 100 rushing yards to a team, but a single rusher through all 16 games did not go over 100 yards, which is insane. And... To keep that defense rolling in to kind of put it all on Deshaun Watson passing in this situation is huge because outside of DeAndre Hopkins, they really dropped down because Demarius Thomas is out for the season. You know, they lost Wolf Fuller. Uh, I don't ever know what happened to Kuti or however you pronounce his name. I think he might have gotten hurt too. And at one point last week, they're. You know, their next three guys up behind DeAndre Hopkins had caught a total of, I think it was three passes the entire season. And, you know, that's huge. If you can go into this game and you can kind of limit it to just this one dimension game for the Colts offense, that's going to be a winnable game because their defense is, you know, shutting for the most part down this Texans offense. You know, they didn't put up a whole lot against this Jaguars defense. And if the Colts can come in and play half as good as that defense, I mean, the offense for the Colts is a million times better than the Jags. So that's the huge key there is this defense, how they come in, how they play, if they can limit the ground game for the Texans, you know, keep. Again, it comes down to can the Colts keep the quarterback in the pocket and not let Deshaun Watson run, kind of like it came down to that for the Chargers. I kind of see it like this. The Colts and the Chargers offenses have kept them in games because their defense has played well enough. If they both are able to come into these games and limit these two good rushing quarterbacks to very few yards on the ground and make them do it all with their arms, it's going to be huge because these offenses are going to be able to go out and score points no matter what. They'll put up points. It's not like you're going to shut this offense out very much. You know, you saw the Colts get shut out once against the Jags, and that was an outstanding performance by the Jags defense, and it was a poor showing by the Colts offense. So... Both of these games are really going to come down to that, but more specifically back to this Colts-Texans, you know, it's going to be Watson versus Luck in the end. It's going to be which one of them can 
come out and play well. I feel like the Colts and the Texans defense are very evenly matched in certain areas. Obviously, that front defensive line for the Texans is much better. It might be one of the best in the league because they have those two strong players in J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney. But in the end, I feel like it kind of becomes a toss-up in the linebackers and the secondary as to who really stands out versus the Colts and the Texans. But Watson versus Luck will be interesting to see here just because who's going to be able to manage the game better at the line of scrimmage? We're going to see a lot of different kind of stunting on these off uh, on these defensive lines. We're going to see a lot of changes and things like that. I've watched it all year with the Colts and the Texans defense. I've tried to watch both of those teams a lot because I'm a AFC South guy. I'm a big Colts guy. And, you know, if you can manage the game at the line of scrimmage really well, you're probably going to get this game in your pocket. It, it'll be interesting to see. I really hope the Colts pull it out as a Colts fan, but you never really know. Hopefully, like I said, this Colts defense and Colts offensive line really pull it together to help because those will be, those are the bigger keys than luck. Surprisingly, you may be going, what are you talking about? But the bigger keys in this game than Watson and luck are going to be the Colts offensive line versus this Texans front. If the Texans front wins that game, wins the game for them, I would not be surprised because, like I said, I think that that is a huge, huge advantage for them. But at the same time, when you look at the Colts offensive line and the Colts D, I think it comes a toss up as to which one is really the biggest thing for them because if the Colts offensive line loses this game and loses the head-to-head matchup, I guess you could say, not necessarily the game, and allows the Texans to get two, three, four sacks against Andrew Luck, but at the same time the defense really straightens down, we could be seeing another low-scoring game here, and I don't really see it becoming a low-scoring game. I think that in the end the offenses really take over, But you never know, and I feel like I'm kind of rambling on about this, but I think that this might be one of the best matchups that we have in this wildcard weekend because they've split the season series, and each game has been a great game to watch. So hopefully we see another good game between these two teams, and that's really all I'm going to say about that. On to the Cowboys and the Seahawks. They did play once. All uh, The first three matchups all had at least one game in the regular season. Cowboys Seahawks played in week three. The Seahawks won 24 to 13. This was before the Cowboys kind of turned it on this season. Um, I think that the key to this game and the key for the Seahawks to win is going to be shutting down Zeke and making Dak beat them through the air. I think when it comes down to it, Dak versus Russ, there's really no honest comparison. I think that Russ is such a better quarterback than Dak when it comes to the game in general. So if you're the Seahawks and you're able to shut down Zeke and keep him under 100 yards like the Colts did, it's a huge, huge advantage for you. You know, I feel like at this point in his career, Russ Wilson is the most trusted NFC quarterback in these playoffs to succeed. You know, we've seen Breeze play well his entire career, obviously. I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks we've seen. But we've seen him struggle against top-tier defenses at crucial times. And in the end... Russ has always seemed to kind of find a way to at least get his team close to winning, if not actually winning. You know, I can't say he gets his team to win all the time because then y'all are going to throw at me the interception at the one-yard line against the Pats. But I, I really do feel like in this NFC matchup, in the NFC as a whole, 
when you look at the most trusted NFC quarterbacks, you're going to have to go with Russ Wilson, not just because he can throw the ball, but also because he's able to use his legs. Russ really has developed a very underrated passing game. You know, it's not really seen a whole lot because that's not the gameplay that Seattle plays with. That's never been the gameplay they've played with. If you look back at, you know, when they had beast mode is when they were doing their best and they were uh, pounding the ball and everything, you know, they, they got back to that and that's when they started to win this season. Unfortunately for them, they're in the same division as the Rams. So kind of a division title was out of the hopes from the very beginning because of how the Rams started off the season. So if they can get Russ to, you know, be the same quarterback that he typically is, throw like he does and use his legs, it really opens up that game for them. Uh, we've seen that over, like I said, the past couple of weeks when they got back to running that ball like they have been. They've gone out. They've beat the Chiefs. Really, really good win there. They've also beaten the Vikings. Obviously, there's the kind of the bad loss in there against the 49ers, but they've looked really good. They barely lost to the Rams. You know, they beat the Packers, who I don't even know how to describe what the Packers were this year. But in the end, like I said, Seahawks, very interesting. It's going to be... To me, it's going to come down to who wins the turnover battle. We'll probably win this game. You know, I think that the Seahawks could potentially shut down Zeke. They do have a really strong defense. It's not, you know, the Legion of Boom that we've seen in the past, but it is a strong defense. We kind of saw that over the last few weeks as well. You know, we really saw, I guess if you take a look back at it, we really saw the Seahawks get back to what kind of made them that terrifying team those few years when they were in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. Because they really got back to playing really sound defense and running the ball straight down your throat and just wearing you out. So yeah, whoever wins the turnover battle for this game, I say probably wins this game. If you're seeing Dak go out and throw an interception and the Seahawks get the ball in, you know, in the Cowboys territory, probably not going to be that hard for the Seahawks to win. Same thing goes for... You know, if the Seahawks go out and turn it over a lot and the Cowboys are getting the ball in good field position everything, I think it'll really kind of come down to that. If it's a clean game, it could be a toss-up. You never really know when it comes to the playoffs because we've seen a lot of crazy things over the past couple of years, and hopefully we'll see some crazy things again. So, in the end, this game comes down to can the Seahawks limit Zeke and... Who will turn over the ball the least? And I think that, you know, we've seen it time and time again. The Seahawks don't turn the ball over a lot, so keep an eye on that when they go into this, you know. I think that the Seahawks could potentially be a surprise there, I guess. I don't know. I'm not a big Cowboys fan, so I don't really see it as a surprise. I think that the Seahawks are the better team. Overall, I think they're the better team. So that's kind of my opinion. Let's go ahead and move on to the last wild card game here, the Bears versus the Eagles. No regular season matchups here. It was the only wild card weekend game to not have any regular season matchups. And I really, I hate to say it because I was a big Eagles supporter last year. I drafted Carson Wentz and he led my fantasy team pretty far until he got hurt. And, you know, you saw them do really well in the playoffs. Obviously, they went on and beat the Pats in the Super Bowl and everything. But this year, I mean, I don't know how to say this nicely, but I just, I really don't, I don't like the Eagles at all coming into the playoffs. Um, Foles has played well, yes, but he got hurt. He took a big hit at the end of that Texans game uh, in Week 16. You know, (laughs) funny part about that, I guess it's not funny, because I do think he ended up getting hurt again 
in the Redskins game, but he had a clause in his contract. He had to play at least 23% of snaps in the um, Eagles season and get to the playoffs, and he would get X amount of dollars added onto his contract. I think it was like a million dollars or something like that. It was something ridiculous. He got knocked out of that last game against the Redskins, and it knocked him from 23% to only 22% of the snaps that he had played all season, and he didn't end up getting that, so (laughs) that sucks. But in the end, if you're the Bears' defense and you shut down Foles, there's really nothing else to fear on that Eagles' offense. A lack of running game, I feel like, is going to be the end of the Eagles' season. I mean, I could sit here and talk about Jay Ajayi and all the injuries that they've had, and I could go on about the Bears' defense, but in the end, I'm really, there's not much to say here. I think that when you look at it from the Bears' perspective, the big key is going to be keep Mitch Trubisky healthy. The game temp is going to be right around freezing throughout the entire game. It's probably going to drop as the day goes on, and I think it's going to be the key to winning later in the playoffs, not necessarily this game, because like I said, I think that the Bears are able to shut down the passing game for the Eagles, and they really don't have much after that with Josh Adams being their running back leader and everything. But I think that if you're the Bears, you really want to get Trubisky out of this game healthy and confident. You know, I think that that's going to be the key to winning later in the playoffs because you're going to have to see teams, you know, two of the remaining teams in that playoff in those playoffs are going to be the Saints and the Rams, two teams that have really good offensive potential. And if you have your quarterback get hurt and you're putting Chase Daniel in as a quarterback or you have, you know, you win, but Trubisky goes out and has a bad game. You're really going into those playoff games in the future, not in a good spot. So they got to work on keeping Trubisky healthy and they got to make sure that he's confident heading into those games. You can't have a timid quarterback going up against some of those teams in the playoffs. I don't think that they're going to be throwing it a lot with the cold weather, you know, being up in Chicago at this time of year. It's going to be tough to kind of throw the ball consistently and actually really, you know, light it up through the air. So I think that in the end, it's going to be whoever has the better run game is going to win this game. I think that it's going to, like I said, come down to Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen versus Josh Adams in question mark. I don't know really who else they have. You know, it's going to be hard to shut down Ertz, but I think that they're able to do it. I want the Eagles to do well. I really do. But in the end, I think that the Bears defense is just one of the best we've seen in recent memories. And they're going to, you know, they've kind of returned to the Monsters of the Midway form. And it's just really, it's going to be really tough for this Eagles team to go in and do anything at all. And, you know, their defense really hasn't been good this year. So that's a huge, huge help. I think that the Bears playing the Eagles this week instead of having to play the Vikings again is a huge, huge step for them. And it's a confidence booster because I think they're going to be able to go out and put up a bunch of points and really excel offensively while their defense is able to just kind of keep playing the way that they have been the entire season. So that's kind of how I see these matchups. It'll be interesting. I could be completely wrong on every single one of these, but you never know. I'm going to kind of give a quick rundown of the top four seeds and what I see their biggest question marks coming into the playoffs because, you know, I can't compare them to anything yet because they don't have a first-round playoff matchup. They're on their bye week. So in the AFC, number one, Chiefs, I think the big question is, can Mahomes keep playing at an elite level? You know, it's the only thing that really counteracts how bad this defense is for the Chiefs. I think it's been overlooked just because of how well he has played. But this defense is really just not good. You know, there is a potential 
big matchup in the divisional round against Luck and the Colts. If they are able to pull out that game against the Texans, they're the sixth seed, so they would be the lowest, and they would go in to play the Chiefs in KC. But I think that's really going to be that question for them. Will Mahomes continue to play at this high elite level? And if he does, I don't see any reason these Chiefs can't keep winning. As a fan of football, I really hope to see Mahomes keep playing well, keep doing it, kid. You know, he was absolutely amazing. He's the only player to ever throw for 5,000 yards in a college season and an NFL season, which is just absolutely insane. So congrats to the kid. If he doesn't win the MVP, I don't know what they're voting on anymore. I mean, Mahomes is the reason the Chiefs are the number one overall seed in the AFC. And yeah. So that's enough about the Chiefs. Let's go ahead and move on to the second seed in the AFC, and that's the Pats. You know, I think that the big key for them to get to the Super Bowl and win, I guess, is it's going to be down to Brady has to become vintage Brady. You may not have noticed it a whole lot this season because, you know, the Pats have gone on and won. They're the two seed, blah, blah, blah. But that's a big thing that I've noticed is that Brady has not been vintage Brady. And yeah, you know, they have really been able to balance that out because they've had a strong rushing attack with Sony Michelle and James White. Rex Burkhead is back and healthy. And, you know, it's been interesting to see because we've not really seen that from the Pats in a while. Obviously, you know, they had LeGarrette Blount who went out and did really well a few seasons for them. You know, they have the potential to see some really strong rush defenses in the divisional matchup. Because they could potentially see the, I guess really all four of those teams are not too bad against the rush. You know, you've got the Colts who, as I said earlier, no one over 100 yards rushing. Baltimore, I believe, had the second best rush defense in the NFL. You know, the Chargers weren't shabby on the rush game. They weren't the best. So that might be, if you're the Pats, that might be the uh, matchup you hope you get. Because then you have the Texans who are going to come in and bring in Clowney and Watt. Whitney Merciless is really good on that defensive front seven as well. And if I'm the Pats, I'm really, really hoping that Brady goes back to vintage form. To get back to the Super Bowl, to win a Super Bowl one last time, I think Brady needs to become vintage Brady. If not, I think it's going to be a relatively short postseason for the Pats for the first time in a while. On to the NFC side, you know, we have the Saints at number one. And honestly, I think that they have the path of least resistance. You know, they're going to be playing in New Orleans for the entire playoffs up to the Super Bowl. That's a huge advantage. And if you don't believe me, go back, take a look at that game against the Rams. I mean, that crowd is just unbelievable. When you listen to them and you listen to the announcers, they say that they've never been in a place where the crowd can be as loud as they are when a team is on defense and then as quiet as they are when that team is on offense as well. So that's, that's a huge thing to kind of look at. I feel like that crowd really is a big swing, kind of like I said with the Seahawks for the Saints. It's the same way. That crowd is a huge swing. So if they're able to go in and ride the crowd to victory, there's no way they're going to lose. I am a little bit worried, though, about this offense being able to actually produce against the Chicago defense in a potential matchup. And I say that because, you know, you look at the loss against Dallas. Dallas's defense played outstanding and limited them to 10 points. It was 13 to 10 Dallas. And I do think that the Bears have a defense that could come and do that to the Saints. So that's kind of the big thing. You know, I think that they 
really hinge on the running backs being able to return to the form that they were kind of last year and earlier this year. They kind of slowed down towards the end of the year. But I think that, you know, you need to have that one-two punch of Kamara Ingram on the ground to really open up the air for Breeze. So if those running backs can get back to form and they can ride this crowd to victory, I mean, there's no reason why they would lose. You know, that big question mark really comes into if they face a defense, whether it be a Chicago defense that plays well or if the Rams come in and play well, can they produce against that offense? Will Breeze be able to throw the ball against teams that are going to stop the run? Those are the two big questions for the Saints team is playing against good defenses instead of poor defenses and can those running backs get back to form. And for the Rams, I think that the one thing is going to be that offense needs to get back to where it was at the beginning of the season. There's nothing else to say about this team. They have played really sound on defense in almost every game. You know, you kind of throw some games out there to where they didn't play well. They didn't really play super well on the defensive side of the ball against the Saints or the Seahawks. But when that defense is clicking, it is one of the best defenses. It is top five, top seven. It's the offense. You know, if this offense can return to form, if Gurley can get 30 touches or close to it every game and opens up this passing game for Goff to be able to throw to some of these receivers... There's no reason to think that this Rams team won't be seeing the Saints in the NFC Championship. They need to play well. Sean McVay needs to light a fire under their ass and get them cooking. It's just, it was really sad to see them fall off because we saw how good that they can be. And hopefully, you know, they've not played Gurley the past two weeks. Hopefully he's healthy coming into their divisional matchup. You know, it's going to be three weeks. He's going to have plenty of time off. Hopefully this Rams defense can continue to play well, but the offense is what needs to kick it into gear. And for those top four seeds, that's kind of what I see. I think that in the end, three of those top four seeds have a very strong chance of making it to the divisional round. I think that the Pats are the one that you're kind of like, whoa, are they going to be able to? Were they worthy of that two seed? I mean, the only reason they got it was because the Texans lost in week 16, I believe is what it was, is what is when they lost and the Pats took over that two seed. You know, compared to years past, this Pats team really isn't very good. But before I lose you guys, let's go ahead and get into my picks for the NFL playoffs. Wild card weekend, I see the winners like this. I think that the Chargers offense gets it together. I think that Rivers and Gordon are able to kind of revert back to early season form and really lead this team to victory, kind of sparking that offense and making them a dangerous team going forward. Colts, Texans, I think that it's a close one, but I think the Colts offensive line wins that battle in the trenches and keeps luck upright and helps propel them to a victory, like I said, in a close one. Colts move on. Seahawks, Cowboys, I think this is potentially one of the bigger shocks of the weekend in the sense that the Seahawks win. I don't think that that's the shock. I think the shock is the Seahawks are able to keep Zeke under 150 combined yards on the ground and through the air uh, receiving. So I think that that's the big shock, not necessarily that the Seahawks win, but that the fact that they are able to shut Zeke down. Seahawks move on. 
I think that the Bears, like I said earlier, win with ease. The D shuts down the offense of the Eagles. You know, that offense is just not in a good spot right now. They hopefully will get better next year after their injuries. But right now, the Eagles don't offer a whole lot of potential. Bears win with ease. So that moves us on to the divisional matchups. Colts and Chiefs 1-6. I think that Kansas City wins. That offense and Pat Mahomes keeps soaring, keeps putting up crazy numbers, and they move on in a good game, not necessarily a close game, but I do think it's at least an entertaining game to watch against the Colts. And then the Chargers versus New England. I said it when I was kind of recapping what I thought was a big key for those top four seeds in order to win. New England wins against the Chargers in this game because Brady returns to old Brady. You know, I think that he goes out and does play really well. Like I said, that's the only way I see them winning. So New England moves on to the uh, conference championships. And for the NFC, we see the Rams versus Chicago. I think it comes down to what we saw when the Rams and Chicago played in the regular season. Chicago's defense shuts down this Rams offense. They just don't get their legs back underneath them for the Rams offense. And Chicago moves on. And a good game, potentially one of the best games of the playoffs. And then that moves us on to, I do think actually, before I move on, I do think that if that matchup happens, Rams-Chicago, I think that that probably is the best defensive matchup that we see of the entire playoffs. I do think that it's a relatively low-scoring game just because of how good I do potentially see Chicago's defense playing against that Rams offense and vice versa. Either way, Chicago moves on surprisingly coming out of nowhere this year Chicago moves on to the NFC Conference Championship and in that other uh, NFC divisional matchup New Orleans versus Seattle I think that New Orleans in New Orleans with that crowd and that offense playing the way that they have really just I don't want to say throttle the Seahawks but I do think that they do beat the Seahawks by at least 10 points and move on to the NFC Conference Championship And that leaves us looking at it like this. Kansas City versus New England and New Orleans versus Chicago. Again, Kansas City, the offense keeps rolling, keeps putting up video game numbers like Pat Mahomes did in the Big 12. Moves on to the Super Bowl. Think that'll be a very good matchup if it happens. We've already seen it once, Kansas City, New England, and it was a great matchup. But I think that in the end... New England just fails to live up to the old New England hype. And I think that Kansas City and Andy Reid finally get over the hump and get to the Super Bowl. New Orleans, Chicago, I think that it's super close. It could go either way. In the end, I think it does come down to quarterback play. I do think that Breeze tops Trubisky and the Saints move on to the Super Bowl. Like I said, it's super close. It could go either way if this Chicago defense is able to continue to play super strong. And finally, that leaves us at the Super Bowl like this, Kansas City, New Orleans, kind of something that I thought we were going to see coming into the season after the first couple weeks. I shouldn't say coming into the season because I wasn't really sure how Pat Mahomes would play. But after the first few weeks, I did think that this would be a very interesting Super Bowl matchup. In the end, when it comes down to this matchup, I think that Sean Payton and Drew Brees' experience in chemistry is able to win out over the lack of experience for Mahomes. We've not really seen it yet, and I don't necessarily know if we will see it. He's continued to play big under some pretty big stages. He's played well. 
But at the same time, we have seen Mahomes not play the best at certain times. You know, he's still put up really good numbers for most average QBs. But what we've seen from him is he's not going to be an average QB. And I just think that he puts up average numbers in the Super Bowl against a team like New Orleans that I think is going to put up a lot. And I kind of hinted at it. I think that the Saints win. I think that Breeze and Peyton, their experience really helps. I think that the Super Bowl MVP goes to Kamara. I think Kamara gets it if they get there and that this is the matchup and they win. I think Kamara gets it. So that's all I've got for the NFL playoffs. Hopefully you guys are able to tune in and watch it. I know I'm going to be watching plenty of playoff football. Thanks for helping us out. You know, you guys can find us on Instagram, Pod. You can also find us, you know, email us on Gmail, BenchWarningPod at gmail.com. You know, if you guys have any questions, reach out to us on either one of those platforms. Those are our main platforms. Share us with your mothers, brothers, sisters, dads, cousins, grandmas, grandpas, uncles, aunts, friends, whoever it is, share us, help us out. You know, we're just trying to sit back and have some fun. I really enjoy doing this for you guys. But uh, yeah, until next time, enjoy football, enjoy 2019, and see you later.